Welcome to today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. I'm Kathy Sharp Ross, and we're here to talk with my guests about the dreams, the visions, and the passions that individuals have every day and dare to explore them. Whether it's business or personal, you're entitled to live the life that you want, and no matter the circumstances, you have the power to create success, fulfill your dreams, and live with passion. That's what I'm talking about. So dare greatly and happy reinventing, folks. Let's do this. Good afternoon and welcome to The Power of Reinvention. I am so thrilled today to have Jamie Goodfriend as my guest on today's show. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, Kathy. So fun. I know. It's, you know, to have two really great friends being able to talk business offline, let alone on a podcast together and sharing a bit of our nuggets of wisdom and insights is a real treat. And I'm so lucky to have you here. So thank you for being here. Thank you. And I think it's amazing because I've known you since I was a teenager. Oh my God. And I <laughs> I love seeing where you have evolved to and I've always been in awe. So it's great. I can't believe we're grown ups and we're sitting here. So thanks for having me. Thank you. And likewise, my friend. Um, and that is such a perfect segue into sort of talking about what you've been up to since we were teenagers, right? So just a little context for those who are show- joining us on the Power of Reinvention for the first time. Uh, this podcast was born out of a book that I wrote that was published March 7th of the year of the pandemic. So seven days before we were told to go home and work from home was the pub date of my book, Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For? And like everybody else in the world, I had to pivot, reinvent. I had to reinvent my book launch plan. And out of that was born the Reinvention Virtual Chat, which is a monthly now, a monthly virtual chat series and a podcast, which is a weekly podcast called The Power of Reinvention, which we are now on. So I have interviewed hundreds of extraordinary, wonderful, insightful, and special human beings over the last two years, talking about all kinds of reinventions, business, personal, spiritual, hobbies, every part of our lives. And goodness knows if the last two years weren't a time to reflect and pause and contemplate what we're doing, I can't imagine a better time for my book to have come out. So the great irony in all of that, that it puts us here today with this incredible show, having wonderful conversations. And Jamie, who is a CMO, Chief Marketing Officer for the leading global creator commerce company, Whaler, is our guest today. She is a digitally, digitally savvy creative development and marketing executive with significant experience taking big swings on behalf of her clients and her colleagues. She has worked for some of today's most successful consumer brands, including two of the world's largest toy companies. She served as Chief Customer Experience Officer for Hasbro and as CMO for the $9 billion privately held MGA Entertainment. She also served in leadership roles at Microsoft and Expedia, and Jamie has worked with some of the top global talent and ad agencies, including WPP, Saatchi and Saatchi, and creative artist agency known as CAA. She is also a board member for Tubular Labs and is a strategic advisor for Anzu, a programmatic in-game advertising platform. And while leading at MGA, Jamie's forward-thinking approach led to the creation of a wildly successful branded Roblox game, 
the creation of a virtual TikTok influencer, the establishment of an industry-leading Amazon commerce storefront, and a launching and launching a direct-to-consumer fan merchandise and collectible site. Jamie's also created original award-winning content for broadcast television and YouTube. And that is not all. There is so much more that is not on this piece of paper <laughs> that I'm, I'm going to let you and I and our conversation take us there. But I think our audience is getting a sense of all of the incredible accomplishments and things that you have touched and been a part of. And I'm excited to sort of talk about that journey with you because I think you've also had a profound impact on creating things in what is now this incredible new era of digital and metaverse and influencers and content and the creator community and all that you're doing now at Whaler. It just feels like it's probably the amalgamation of so many parts of your life, right? Coming together. Yeah. Well, it looks like I had a plan, but I didn't. I was <laughs> led with curiosity and a combination of fear and FOMO, I think. That's fantastic. I think we should all do that, frankly. Um, it would probably get us all in a lot of better place. That's actually a really good point that you bring up. Fear. I mean, you know, people are fear fearful of taking leaps and taking risks. And yet curiosity. I love how you just said that. Curiosity kind of led you into so many things that you dared to dream, you dared to go after. So let's go back to little Jamie. And who was little Jamie? Were you always that fearless? Were you always that curious? Did you have any sense what you wanted to do when you grew up? It's such a, it's such a hilarious question. I grew up in the Midwest. And when I was very young, my parents got divorced. And this was a long time ago. And I think my mom was one of the first women. I, you know, we were the first families to get divorced. And she moved us to Palm Springs uh, in the 70s. And um, I, I was immediately an outsider kind of looking in and in a weird place. And I have this very clear recollection early on. I wanted a TV for my bedroom. All the cool kids seemed to have it anywhere I saw, you know, I was look, looking at that. And my mom said, no, I'm not buying you a TV. And I said, but I, but I want one. She said, well, if you can find a way to get one, you earn the money, you can have one. And my school had a <laughs> magazine sale. I was say, was it the uh, wrapping money. paper drive? <laughs> exactly. And if you sold enough, you earned points and you could win a TV. So let me just tell you, I got that damn TV and I really liked selling. I really liked the whole rush of it. I think I was, I don't know, eight. Yeah. Uh, and my dad was a, um, he was in the shoe business at the wholesale level. And we went as a divorced family, we went to shoe shows with him on our, a lot of our weekends. And I was so bored. And one <laughs> year there was a kind of a shoe that they were launching and it was a knockoff of earth shoes, which God knows why anybody would do that. Maybe they'd work now. And they were called six toes because they had so much room that you could put six toes in it, which is a horrible statement. But I said, can I try to sell some? And he laughed and I said, well, can I? And he said, yes, I sold some and oh, to Nordstrom's it. actually. And uh, anyway, I liked the rush and liked the whole adventurous thing. So yeah, I think I've been a little bit it's a combination. I just did it because there was a reason I wanted to get something. So I, I just sucked up the fear and just went ahead and did it anyway. I love that. And you know what it sounds like, as you said, the rush of sales. And, you know, this is so funny because you and I have both been in this space where our businesses thrive and, and our success thrives on 
connecting people. I think we both collect friends, relationships, business colleagues, and we connect people for a living. And if you could call that sales, fine. But I think what we do is we're passionate about what we believe in, what we're interested in, what we're curious in. And it makes it so fun to share that with people under the guise of, yeah, I want to do business with you. I want to be in a partnership. I want to take two and two and make it equal 100 instead of four. And I feel like that's where the magic has always been for you. And that's so much of what you've done in so many of the roles you've been in. You, you're an excellent marketer because I guess I said sales, but it's connecting the dots Yeah, would be a, a better way of phrasing it. But you're right. It is the connection, but it has to come from something that you truly believe in because I've been in places where you were supposed to talk about or share something and you know in your gut when you don't believe it, you're not good. Yeah. And I've never been able to really do that. Uh, even if I needed to, It's it's got to come from the heart. Yeah, that's so true. So were there moments in your life, what I call aha moments, where you sort of felt like you were somewhere in your roles in business and said, you know, it's time. It's time to make a left turn, a right turn, a U-turn, any kind of turn. Um, And you sort of had to proactively sort of start to seek what that next move was for you. I've had so many of those junctures, but I think one that's particularly relevant, I get a lot of, um, I try to help a lot of people in the same situation is I had been very fortunate to work at Microsoft and then at Expedia, which was owned by Microsoft at this time. Mm. Expedia spun out and went public. I went with Expedia and I was exhausted. So I took a break. I got remarried and I retired for a little while. I got remarried. I had another baby and I took myself completely out of the workforce, Yeah, which at the time I thought was great until I got really bored. And a friend of mine said, you're really boring. You're like a parked Ferrari. Yeah. Get out. You need to go get a job because I can't, I can't talk to you anymore in a nicer way, but (laughs) she was quite accurate. What a great friend. Pivot point. Yeah. And I had to go back to work and I had missed a whole chunk of the business world and development. And I had two kids at this point and I was terrified, but I did it. And it was really a a force of will, I think. And I had to pretend I wasn't scared. And there are a lot of people that helped me along the way. And I'm very grateful to them. Um, Jane Buckingham actually gave me a, 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 a role at, doing some consulting back in the day. And then I ended up working for CAA um, with a longtime colleague of mine, Joe Kessler. But I I had to really reinvent my entire way I thought about myself, much less reinvent how I presented to people. That was, that was the double whammy. Right. So such an interesting statement. And it's one where I'm going to kind of pause for a moment because I think so many people sort of get to that point, but then it's the big question of how. How do you how do you lean into that process for yourself? It sounds good in theory, but you know, what it what did you have to do? That self-actualization, those moments of reflection. You know, I always talk so much about listening to ourselves and being aware of the voice in our head that we sometimes ignore. We sweep things under the rug and oh, I'm fine and this is all good and I'm gonna keep going instead of really listening and and allowing ourselves that what I call entitlement to sort of pause, change, pivot, and do something about it. So 
are you aware? Do you remember really like in the moment what that process was for you to do that? Well, it brings up a really good point and I'll get back to that, but listening to your gut is the most important skill that I think we're trained not to do, especially as women. Yeah. And as I've gotten older and a little bit more confident in myself as a professional, and I guess as an adult, I don't really think of myself as an adult, but the (laughs) idea of listening to my gut and, and acting based on what I believe, obviously taking input and I don't want anybody to think, oh, well, you know, I, I, you're not a lone wolf and no, but when I, times I've gotten into trouble personally or in business is when I ignored my gut. Yeah. So that goes back to the bravery or fear, whichever side of the coin you look at it. But my gut was telling me to get back out there and my friend, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just started talking to people and I took a few opportunities that didn't end up being right. There were consulting gigs What I did do though, was I was really transparent and I put my story out there. This is probably 2006-ish, somewhere in there. And I put my story out there and I was somewhat, it was like dating almost. And I guess LinkedIn, I don't think LinkedIn was a factor, but I guess LinkedIn is now like the um, okay Cupid of uh, of hunting, right? Right, right swipe right, swipe left, but we didn't really, it wasn't really as much of a thing, but I, I talked to everybody and I took my job search was like a job in the sense that I started very practically. I carved out, um, an hour every day, five days a week. And then it became two hours every day, five days a week. And by the end of the month, you put in a good chunk of time And people were really open to at least just having conversations with me. Yeah. And I was not proud. I I took everything that I could do. And, you know, I wasn't making any money, but I used that as an opportunity to learn what other people were doing and then figure out what skills I needed to fix and update. Because in five years, you you lose a lot of skills. But it was very, it was a combination of being methodical and really spending time listening to my gut, I would read, I read a lot and I would go on to articles and trade publications. And if there was somebody or something that caught my eye that I had that sort of aha moment of like, Oh, that's interesting. I would put it on a list and then work to track that person down and see if I could talk to them. So there, like, for example, there's a woman um, named Luann Brizendine and she is a neuropsychiatrist who wrote a book at the time. And she had just written the female brain, and then, and she also wrote the male brain. And I was so fascinated. It just did something to my, like my gut. And I tracked her down and wanted to talk to her. And she gave me great advice and she sent me on a path. And it, it was kind of like a pachinko machine or a pinball machine. You yeah. kind of go like this and then you go another place. Yes. And I just went with it. I didn't, I did not have a destination in right. mind. And ultimately, you know, it's luck. And well, you, you really committed to yourself. You, you made a job out of doing that, which is pretty extraordinary. And I think there's a lot to learn from that. That's a huge takeaway. I mean, people sit around not, not doing that kind of work and expecting things to show up. You really created it. I, I, I guess, I guess I did. That's really kind. Yes, I I did. And I had to deal with a lot of ego stuff because I remember I had been 
prior to that, I was like, I had been, uh, I owned my own house. I was working at Microsoft and I was right in the epicenter of things. And then I would go on this round. Like, so what have you been doing? I've been a mom and doing volunteer work. Great. Okay. Nice. And nice. See people like when you got seated next to them at a dinner party and people would ask, what are you, what are you doing? And when I would say, oh, I'm working at Microsoft, people would light up. And yeah. then when I was not doing that and people were like, oh yeah. Okay. Who it's else can I go sit next to? Yes, I'm sit next to. And I remember those people. Oh yeah. I've got them on my list. I yeah. know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. Well, it's so interesting. And I've had this conversation with many people, many with whom you know, and you and I both know. And there is something interesting about that whole point. Your identity is attached to your job title or where you work. And when that goes away, you really start to understand who are the people in your warm warm circle and who aren't. And it's unfortunate, but it's it's kind of a part of reality. But look, the business network and the business community, I think, you know, where you really leaned in and you really pursued what you felt was the right thing for you is really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And that curiosity in you and finding ways to enhance the skills. I mean, something we're all looking at as we get older is, you know, are we aging out of jobs? And a lot of conversation that we're having at the moment with a lot of our colleagues is, something I think I coined yesterday called aging in instead of aging out. We are now aging in. This is the world of opportunity where remote and hybrid companies actually need adult supervision. And by adult, I mean, those of us who are a little bit older, who've been around for quite some time, who may have a greater skill set to get their arms around what the hybrid version of the workplace now means. Because we have to bring some of the old school approach to running a business day-to-day, nine to six, in an office, with people, and what happens in that environment with the virtual experience that so many people are now having. So what's happening is we're seeing an increase in adults being required (laughs) to be at the helm of some of these companies and in senior leadership roles to help manage that in a way that keeps it really cohesive. So I don't know what if you're seeing a lot of that at the moment at Whaler or some of the clients you work with or conversations you're having, but are you kind of seeing a bit of that, what I'm, I'm now calling aging in? Uh, now that I've got the name for it, which I'm going to borrow and I will credit you, Kathy. Thank uh, you. I love that. I think I was hired at Whaler because I am a grown up, although I don't really feel like one. But I think I am the oldest person at the company. We're mostly in our most of the people at the company are in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is we, I mean, we obviously have some senior executives that are fantastic. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you can do your, you can do a, a a whole head game on yourself. And I think the idea of staying relevant can be very intimidating, but what I find is actually the, the counterforce to that is that I'm not competitive the way I used to be. I'm not, um, I don't, I feel like I'm more able to be giving and to, have more time. I don't have kids at home anymore. So I have more time, more time to work, but it it gives you a different perspective. And I think the idea of bringing your personal, your professional experiences, I've been through some 
I won't swear. Uh, I don't, I've been through some shit yeah. and yeah. it makes you have some perspective. Cause even when I was in my forties, I thought I knew everything. Yeah. And I realize now I knew, you know, I, it's, it's not even, that's well, you did at the time. It was contextual. I, I mean, really, yeah. but I think the idea, the one thing that I find really sort of unfortunate for younger people that, you know, are working in a hybrid environment is that there is a lot of contextual mentoring that you pick up by being around it. Now, I don't miss going to an office every day, just yeah. like many people don't, yeah. but I do love being around my colleagues. And sometimes, like for example, I'm in LA, we don't have an office here anymore because we outgrew it and we're trying to figure that out, but I'll host just work days in my house Yeah, that we're just all together. Yeah, And I think for younger people, it's, it's unfortunate that they're not getting some of that yeah. mentoring and experience. Yeah. And I, I sort of, I'm a big fan of being around my team and having them here. And I'm thrilled. I've got a whole summer internship program that I run every year. And I asked everybody that I interviewed, where would you like to work from? And I know what I wanted the answer to be, but I really just wanted to kind of survey how these young people are feeling because I think we're hearing degrees of that. Every one of them wanted to come into the office, which was thrilling to me because I'm, I'm all about wanting to be in the office, you know, most of the time, or if I'm not out on the road traveling. Um, and after the last two years, I hope I'd never have to work at home. <laughs> so I don't mind if I have to do some work while I'm at home, but um, no, running a business, I definitely want to be here. But I find it fascinating the, you know, the conversation right now that's being had. And we just actually hosted a virtual chat event yesterday where that was a big topic. And another one about three weeks ago with some key executives from some major companies. And it's just fascinating to hear the, the you know, the, the thought around what's good for the company, what's good for the company culture, what's good for people, what's good for your employees, and the different ages and stages that people are at and where and why they're responding the way they are. Well, I think that's an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about um, in this context. But if you're a young employee just out of college and you know through your early stages of your work life, it might be better, more fun, more fulfilling, more stimulating to be in an office. But what other things I'm loving about Whaler is that for people who are having kids and have young families, they can work at home. Yeah. And it is it's such a gift. It's a gift. And if I had been able to do that when my kids were small, mm. it would have changed my entire world. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's that. And then you can kind of go back and, and be a hybrid um, and we have really good balance that way. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've been super impressed with it. The other piece of it that I've also found, and this is a whole other topic, but um, we work closely with a company called Sea Talent and they represent deaf and disabled creators. And wow. this has been a huge boom for people who have, uh, who are disabled. Amazing. And it's an amazing, it's wow. amazing thing. So I think what's Love happening that. now is that people are able to be in the workforce at different stages of their life with different needs. Yeah. And so, you know, it can It's very opportunistic for a lot. Yeah, yeah. it, it really yeah. is. I mean, look, even, even people who are getting hired for jobs in other cities, and it doesn't matter now where they are, but they have right. the opportunity to work and have a kid who's working for a big media company that we both know and love. And 
you know, he's LA based. He moved to New York. He was hired by the West Coast team, but he's sitting in New York. He's going into the New York office, but he's a West Coast, part of the West Coast division and he can be anywhere. And, you know, it's just brilliant that people can do that and have some semblance of life. It's funny, I'm from Australia, as many know, and I keep talking to friends in Australia and business colleagues in Australia. And, you know, they, they're they so proud of their work ethic that is not so crazy like it's always been in America. And I feel like finally we're having our moment of, okay, a little more life balance in our workday is good for us. And I think we all needed a bit of that. And I think it's okay. It's healthy. And, you know, we're seeing productivity in different ways mm-hmm. that's showing up for a lot of people. But I'm still a Gen X that was trained the way I was trained. So I was on vacation last week and I come home, I would get into my, I had no Wi-Fi all day. And then when I got in my room, I felt I wanted to check my email because otherwise I'm not relaxed. It's exactly what I say. (laughs) So that to me was, and people were very confused. And I actually, somebody asked me if I was sending a bad message to my team. I'm like, no, because do what you want. Yeah. It might now my team was really excited because I was gone most of the day and then they would laugh. This is terrible, but they were, I found out that they would slack each other. She's back. Uh. Because they, they knew that I was, I had Wi-Fi. You weren't totally gone. Exactly. I was totally gone. No, but, but I'm like that too. It's like, I am not relaxed if I don't know what's going on. And, you know, I own a company, you're leading a company, you know, it's just who we are and it is how we were trained. It was how we were brought up. We have a work ethic that is very different than very. I think our younger generation, which, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing for them. Well, I make a joke though, because I've been studying generations for a long yeah. time. And yeah. every generation looks at the next generation in the same way. And we were looked at by boomers yeah. as being lazy slackers. We look at millennial, Gen Xers look at millennials. Oh my God, everybody's special. They all get a trophy. Yeah, I love now when millennials are complaining to me about Gen Z because they're so forceful and they're very entrepreneurial and they don't even want a job. They want to work for themselves and it's very challenging. So it's always the next new worst generation. Love that. And that's yeah. been happening since the Roman days. Yeah. And so that that's always been happening. There's actually a, a book that talks about how the Romans were complaining about roads. Wow. And the roads were uh, ruining the minds of the citizens of different towns because it was enabling people to move from place to place and share ideas in a way that was corrupting the morals of the youth. Fascinating. That's been going on for wow, a long time. Wow, you're not kidding. No, I'm I'm not. And I find it really interesting. And there's a lot, I'm a little obsessed with TikTok for work, but also for pleasure. And there are a lot of really funny self, I think Gen Z's though, they make fun of themselves. Yeah. More than other generations have made fun of themselves at, when they're young. And they're pretty, I'm very bullish on Gen Z. Yeah. Uh, and they're very determined and they only know all of this challenging time. And this is all they know. So nothing really ruffles them. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, they're, they're, they're very resilient. Whereas with millennials, they were going along and life was grand. And then 2008 happened, like, so they had nine 11 and then it was pretty good. And then yeah. 2008 happened and the rug got ripped out from under. Yeah. Them. They so, didn't have the skill set to deal they were a little traumatized. Yes. So yeah. everybody's got their own challenges. I also, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the fourth churning, which is somewhat of a controversial no. book. It's um, researchers Strauss and Howe, and they look at the uh, 
there's four stages. So the lifespan is 80 years. There's four stages of 20 years, which roughly align with the generation. Yeah. And there's cycles. And we're typically, right now we're in the crisis cycle, which after that comes with um, a great cycle. So we've got some crap to go through right now, but Gen Z's are, are um, they're going to fix things. I love that. Good or bad. Well, you know what? It looks like they're going to be doing it remotely. They're going to be doing it in office. They're going to have a bit yep. of everything. And I think that's what's fun. I think we're, we're, you know, leaning into what will be a very interesting new incarnation of the workplace, which is breeding so much creativity. And, you know, something you're probably experiencing is that your clients need you now more than ever, as ours do, that are saying, I got to figure this out. I got to listen to what you know, what your peers know, what the what the street is saying, brands are saying, help us figure this out and help us figure out how to move forward. And you're dealing with the creator economy. There's a lot of creativity and ingenuity um, around that. What What's that? How's that for you at the moment? If there, I, you know, I don't like to generalize, but there's two camps. They're the, oh my God, no, I'm not listening to this. And then there's people that are doing what you just said, which are asking questions and diving in and trying to learn. And I think we're in a, such a huge pivot point right now, socially, media-wise, business-wise, personally, that it requires a lot of questions and flexibility. And I do see, I am afraid for a lot of companies because they are so intransigent and they're holding on to what used to be. And that does worry me. If you're, for our clients though, they're working with us because we are focused on the future yep. and we're doing things that, you know, are, are new. Yep. The creative economy is, is new, but it's, it's a driven by creativity and reality is what I say. And a lot of legacy businesses are not there yet. And they're, um, and I, I have friends that work in some of those companies and it's it's going to get challenging over the next couple of years. Why is that? Well, we've got a lot of legacy businesses that are established based on a certain business model. Right. Not so so the, the notion of pivoting, it's kind of like moving the Titanic. It's It's really hard. And I've had those, I've had a couple of those roles where they hire outside the company and they say, we're going to bring in new energy and a different perspective and someone with an outside point of view. And I've learned the hard way that if that's what the move is, it, it doesn't usually, it doesn't work so well. It's too hard. Yeah. You can't, you have to change from within. Yeah. Um, and there are very few companies that have been able to do that in that way. And it really requires a, a comprehensive shift in how people are thinking. And there's nothing harder than to change how people think yeah. and how they behave. That's, that is what it comes down to. Are you willing to adopt and adapt or are you holding on and yeah. managing, you know, decline? So what's the most exciting thing that you're doing at the moment within Whaler, within, you know, sort of where you get to really use the Jamie secret sauce? Um, what, what is it that's exciting you and what you're doing? Well, the, I think my superpower is my energy, good yeah. or bad. Yeah. Um, and Amazing. working with all these 20-year-olds, yeah. I love it because they I don't overwhelm them and they don't overwhelm me right. and I learn from them. So I, like them. Being, I do. I, 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 I like asking questions and not knowing any of the answers and having a million different perspectives. So I, I do like learning and then being able to translate that to 
with my business experience, being able to put it into context. So it's, it's, you know, I get a lot of these questions of, oh, Web3, crypto, blockchain, metaverse, that's all nonsense. NFTs, what is that? And I am able to understand both worlds. So I feel like a translator. You can translate. Exactly. Well, this is where I'm talking about aging in. This is the moment for you, for me, for people like us that are the translators. And I think we've been translators all along the way in different ways. I mean, you and I, especially because I think, you know, we're very aligned in the way we think and approach business. But I think that there is something to be said for that because that is exactly what they need. How are you trans? Let me ask you a question on your podcast. Go ahead. How are you translating for your clients? And what is what are some of the challenges that you're seeing that are facing your clients? It's interesting because we have a hybrid of clients that are experiential, that are doing a lot of event-based touring, B2B summits, um, you know, ticketed attractions. And we're taking a lot of them as we had to do very quickly two years ago when COVID hit and we had to sort of go, oh, well, clearly you're not going out into the world and selling tickets to arenas and theaters and venues and holding business summits and putting people in rooms. So how do we take the value of your IP, your content, your storytelling and move you into a virtual environment until we're told we can go back out again? And we worked with a number of our clients to really shift them very quickly. And that was where I was having these moments of, my God, our clients have have to listen to us like never before. Um, I think we had to be very quickly educated, read everything, know as much as we could as the options of who we needed to align with to help them move to where they needed to go to. Now we're kind of at this place where we've got this beautiful hybrid of both. And what we've done is expanded the universe for our clients and they've had to expand. And to your point, it's got to start within and they're going to have clients who said, oh no, we're not going virtual. We're going to wait till we get back online and we can go. And I was like, okay, don't say I didn't tell you, you're going to sit around for a while waiting. And they did. Um, But those who actually had to, you know, sort of survive or had the opportunity because their IP and their content gave them a platform. And now it was about digging into places where it might've taken them two, three, four, five years to get to. And so they moved a lot faster into that space. And that has been really fun to work with clients, helping guide, shape, and kind of really massage that process with them. I love hearing that. And I I love hearing how your thought process works. The thing that I, I find, you know, and we're all sort of sick of hearing the COVID you know, the COVID of it all, but it really was a burning platform moment. They had no choice. Yeah. So when there's a choice, a lot of companies, a lot of executives going back to fear, they do not want to do the new thing. COVID gave them cover because somebody gave me this great quote yeah. and said, when the tide goes out, you can see you swimming without their pants on. And <laughs> right. a lot of people got yeah. caught. But they had to, they didn't have a choice. And you're right. They could use COVID and say, well, we had to do it. We didn't have a choice. It was like sink or swim. We had to try. And, and on that note, you know, I think we've both experienced a lifetime of clients or scenarios that we've been in where people say, let's test it. Let's test it and see if it works. Well, if you test and see if something works, you are not even approaching it with the intention of creating success. 
So oh, I always have. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. What? So if it works, so what's the better framework? Because it's a for, manifesting. Well, for me, it very much is, you know, and maybe as an entrepreneur, it's been a much safer place for 30 years for me to operate from, which is, yeah, don't test something and sit back and go, hmm, let's see, is it going to work? Will it maybe work? Your results are going to be very different than if you do something with a complete intention to make it happen and create the success. And I think a lot of people had to kind of adopt the latter theory in the mm-hmm. last two years mm-hmm. and actually do something and say, we don't have a choice. We have to make this work and we're going to put everything against it. And we are going to create the success metrics and we're going to put a little more money or we're going to put better creative. We're not just going to kind of dabble in it and see how it goes or spend three years trying to figure it out. To your point, they had to move quickly and test things and try things in ways that were more intentional. And I think that's really an important lesson for a lot of people. And I think entrepreneurs can afford to do that. Big companies don't tend to do that. And that's where I think the learning is. Well, there's no upside. And that's why I'm saying a lot of legacy companies, there's no upside to taking a risk. Yeah. Somebody's afraid they're going to lose their job. Why would they? Especially unfortunately in a CMO role that, that, you know, it's like you're out in two years, less than two years. And so people become fear and risk averse, which is just bad for the company. I'm not saying be irresponsible, but you got to get in and get the learnings. And when I, like when I convinced leadership team to do the Roblox game at MGA, I I mean, there, there was nobody I could call. There was, we just had to figure it out. You were pioneering the space. I feel literally so grateful that I was able to do that and learn a lot of lessons that you wouldn't learn otherwise, you know, what teach them to fish. Yeah. So I learned, you know, you can't just tell somebody you have to do it themselves. So that, you know, those are the kind of things that I think are important. And in the new world, having so many generations and so many different types of people in the workplace, that's the best thing because everyone has a different opinion. It's a cacophony of ideas and you've got to sort through it but it's not all hierarchical, right? It's not top down military. This is what we're going to do. It's, you know, it's got to be a balance of a good idea can and does come from anywhere. You just have to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the key thing. So I know that we are sadly, I mean, God, you and I, (laughs) we we could talk about this for a long time. And I think that it's extraordinary. I mean, we are at a very exciting time, frankly in our careers and in in the world that we're living in. And I think we're both quite blessed that we have the opportunity to really massage and play with a lot of parts of this business um, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, on a personal level, if I may, um, what's exciting you right now that you're seeing? Like what's come out of this for you that, you know, you think just in the last two, three, five, you know, not even COVID related, but just in the last five years with the digital world being where it is and access to things, you know, what, what's kind of really showing up as something fun or exciting or interesting in your world? Well, I followed my passion and I think I've been talking about creators for, I don't know, since 2014, I think. Yes. And seeing it become an actual job and career. And here's a crazy stat I saw. TurboTax does, it's one of my favorite studies. Every year, the after-tax season, they come out with some kind of an insight about what they were seeing. And this year, they said that 
They saw a 207% increase in people filing as a creator. Wow. And over half of them claimed that as their only income. So this is a career and it's not one of those, like, I want to be an influencer. It's a totally different experience. And what is exciting to me is the sheer volume and impact. And it's not just TikTok dances. It's not just reels. It's not any of those things. It's all of those things. It's people being able to talk about uh, disability. It could be engineers talking about things. It's people talking about history. It's great teachers. I know you know SWP and Encantos. That's where teachers are getting the opportunity to teach in a broad distributed yeah you know, network and it's not being controlled by the traditional gatekeepers. That to me is, it's, it's so liberating. And every day I see something or hear something that is so inspiring because at the end of the day, in a world that is not fair, let's just say it's not fair. And it's, that's so hard to fix. The one thing that every human being has access to is creativity And your creativity, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black, white, however you identify. If you have a creative spark now, it's not easy, but now you have the ability to express it in a way and even potentially have your voice heard in different ways. That to me is incredible because if I think I go back and I'm like, you know, little Jamie in the Midwest and, you know, here I am like in LA and I get to see all these people with their great ideas and making careers. I, I, I spent some time yesterday with some creators, uh, who this one guy is in a wheelchair and another woman is a bionic model. Oh. She is the bionic model and she's unbelievable. I'm like, who, where did these careers right. come from? That was not happening before. So, and, and to think that they know what is possible and the future generation, the mentoring of, you know, if you can see her, you can be her. If you can see him, you can be 100%. him. That they are realizing that their voice has a voice and that yeah. their creativity has a place. And for those who maybe aren't connecting the dots all the way through because you're not, quote, in this business, it's because of these platforms and the ability to self-publish, to connect with a community, right? It's You can be an Etsy creator, a Shopify merchant, you, you know, mm-hmm. you can create content all day long and have your own YouTube channel or use TikTok to really get out there. It is extraordinary. That's what gets, that, that's what keeps me excited. And if you listen to your gut, there's something that you know that nobody else knows or something that you can do that nobody else can do or talk about. And that's really inspiring. Yeah. I love that. Well, and sadly we are coming down to the, to the close of this conversation on our podcast, but not you and I talking, but I've got a really fun question for you that I love to ask my guests because I think it's just a fun, a fun way to play with, you know, what you would do with this is, if you were to have a dinner party and you could have anybody at your table and, you know, they could be dead or alive, someone that inspires you, that you're in awe of, that you would love to break bread with and have a glass of wine with and just three or four people, anybody that comes to mind, who would, who might that be? So I don't know if you ever met or knew Dawn Steele. Did you ever know yes, her? I, I met her briefly. I, I never got to meet her, but I remember when she started to, when she, she was the first woman to run 
um, Columbia. Yeah. I, I just thought she was the most spectacular human being because her dad was a barmento. He was a zipper salesman. <laughs> and she started as a sports writer and then was in merchandising at Penthouse mm, and then worked her way over um, and got to Columbia. And I just, I don't know, I was always so inspired and she tragically lost her life really early to cancer. And I don't know, she was she was such a badass before anybody was a badass. So I, I she love would, that. She's somebody I'd love to have, I would have loved to have spent time with. I'm a Madonna girl. So All right. I think it love. would be Madonna. And yeah. then I don't know. There's, there's so many, there's so many different people, but I think it would be, yeah, Madonna and uh, Don Steele. I love that. Would be my two. Great. Amazing women. Pioneers, groundbreaking. Just... I still have my rubber bracelets. I, uh, you know, I saw her at Dance Area <laughs> way back when. So you see uh, Santa Barbara, the Arlington Theater. <laughs> Way back. <laughs> Rock my world still does. So there you go. I'm outing myself. I'm a Donna I fan. love it. I love it. Jamie, you're the best. This is such a gorgeous conversation. And Thanks, I Dad. can't wait to see you shortly soon. We'll do this some more of this over a glass of wine. Um, thank you for being a part of the conversation for the power of reinvention and just, you know, your wisdom, your insights, um, just, you know, in awe of all that you do as always. You are tremendous and Thank you for being able to inspire our listeners and just share some of your wisdom with everybody. Well, back at you. You've always been a way ahead of your time, Kathy. And I've been in awe of you since I was a teenager. And that's a lot of years. I mean, we've been, we've been around for a while, my girl. (laughs) Thank you. A pleasure. And for those who want more insights on reinventing um, access to my book, blogs, virtual chats that we've done with all of our guests, please tune into the reinventionexchange.com. I will include Jamie's LinkedIn address on the show notes. So you can always reach out to her. Have a wonderful rest of your week and happy reinventing everybody. Thanks for listening to The Power of Reinvention. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wouldn't mind a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, be sure to visit thereinventionexchange.com to share your reinvention stories, suggest a guest, join the newsletter mailing list, Get access to my book, which is called Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For? And discover fantastic bonus content with my blogs and listen in to the Reinvention Virtual Chat series. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Please share with a friend and thank you for listening. Happy reinventing.